0: The property market is never far from newsreels in this country, and sensational headlines are run regardless of whether prices are rising or falling. Sometimes there's a distinct discrepancy between what we read and what's happening on the ground, and I often wonder about the power of the media to create market conditions. When they run a sustained campaign forecasting double-digit growth or decline, I suspect the impact on consumer sentiment could trigger a change in market behaviour. The Sydney property market is currently being reported as leading the downward spiral. Is it all doom and gloom or is everything not quite as it seems?
1: Welcome to the elephant in the room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyers agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready.
2: And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional.
1: Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as download our free full or forecaster report, which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au au Today,
0: we're going to have a discussion about the changing market and what's happening on the ground in Sydney. And even if you're not particularly interested in the Sydney property market, in this episode, we'll be covering a number of principles that will apply in other markets across the country. We've invited Matthew Hayson, real estate agent and co-founder of boutique agency Cobden and Hayson to join us today, and it's been a while since we last spoke to him officially anyway. he's uh, was our third ever guest on the podcast back in 2018. Now, one thing that I like about Matthew is his willingness to drop the sales bill, which you don't come across very often in this industry. He augments almost three decades in local real estate experience with high-level economic and financial knowledge, strategic thinking, and has developed a quite refreshing manner of reporting on the market. So we're looking forward to this discussion about what's making the property market tick at this time. Thanks so much for joining us, Matthew. Good to see you. Pleasure.
3: To, likewise. Good to be here and uh, four years. Hopefully it's not another four years, right?
0: <laughs> oh, it, this will go forever. We love it, don't we, Chris?
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: we're not going anywhere and uh, yeah. hopefully our listeners aren't either. So uh, thanks for listening and thanks for coming on again, Matt. I mean, Veronica and I were chatting last week. Week and uh you know we'll just sort of talk about our frustrations that we need to get an agent on just to we haven't had an agent on for a while what what are what are their buyers saying you know what are different buyers at different price segments what are they saying to uh their vendors you know what are the vendors really doing over the next you know six 12 months etc so thanks so much to come on I mean I wasn't going to start here but you know it is my big pet hate for the last few months where from what I'm seeing from our clients you know and the the decisions they're making what the the options they've got on the table versus what you know, core logic is saying in terms of price falls, and what big market commentators are saying um, is a huge lag, right, from what you're seeing in different price levels. So, so how, what's your thoughts on the sort of data lag at the moment? It's around around pricing and you know how yeah. off it is. I mean, I guess in, in from what you see.
3: Yeah, for sure. Well, look, I think a simple thing that a lot of people can probably um, uh, feel it, it, they've got some. Um, leverage on or, or understanding of is when the market was hot last year, you know, so a lot of agents, and we, would, we were kind of wrapped up into this as well, when the market was accelerating at such a pace, a lot of people were saying, oh, my God, I went to this auction and they were quoting $2 million and it ended up selling for 2.5. How could the agent get it so wrong? How could this happen? And yeah. and, uh, and in some cases, that that was fair criticism. Um, but what was actually unfolding at that time is what people didn't com- probably see is the market was increasing at some points 5 if not 8% per month. So when you would start a campaign, you would say to the client, look, the house is worth $2 million. By the time you were finishing the campaign or or getting to market, it might've been worth 2.2 and midway through the campaign, it might've been worth 2.3. But what we're seeing now is the reverse of that is, Mm. is unfolding in the market. So, And it's human nature that, We see and read into the data. So, if the data is now telling us, and the trend line is saying to us in the media headlines that the market's going to fall 20%, 25%, well, it's only human nature to factor that in before it actually occurs. So yeah. what we're seeing in the market at the present time is the media headlines are sensationalist. We're seeing it now, you know, this week, every week in Sydney, I'm sure nationally, you're seeing a new headline, a new financial institution telling us what's going to happen or unfold in the market over the next six to 12 months. Last week, it was Baron Joey, the financial investment yeah. bank, Baron Joey, saying that property prices are going to fall 25% in Sydney, nationally, probably 20%. Um, so as a result of that, it's pretty hard if you're a buyer to look at that and go, well, if I'm looking at a house that's worth $2 million, why don't I just offer them 1.8? Um, So that's what we're seeing kind of unfold in the market at the moment. So it's very different from the fear of missing out. It's now the fear of overpaying. So the data, though, you know, CoreLogic, I I think nationally saying it's down what 8% or something like that. But here on ground level, I can tell you in Sydney for certain segments, we're seeing more like 15, maybe even 20% for those properties that we consider to be C grade properties.
2: Yeah, I mean, up on the beaches, we saw it pretty quick, you know, 15, up, even up to 20%, I would say, on some properties, yep. you know, in the space of a couple of months. And you know, sure. you've got big commentators coming out there and saying, oh, Sydney's down 3%. And I said, well, you don't buy the Sydney market, right? You don't even buy the median, to be honest. You buy different price segments. And, you know, and so I think that's the, the, the problem. We had a client this morning and new client, you know, you know, very green first home buyer, you know, trying to buy a, a family home in the upper North Shore. And um you know, we're not sure how much how we should price a property, you know, should we just take off what the median is dropped about seven percent. Should we take that off last year's price? And that's unfortunately what a lot of people do, right? You know, is they that sort of level one thinking. And um and it's causing a real danger at the moment because you know they, they could be overpricing the property. Um, you know, or they could be, you know, paying way overs, I guess it's the same thing. So um For I sure. wasn't gonna sort of go here as well so early on, but I mean <laughs> let's go then. Around vendors, right? Like Yep. obviously, human behaviour is going to shift dramatically, um, both buyers and sellers. But how big is the shift being from what, say, the start of the autumn campaign, you know, Feb yep. uh, March, to mm. what the conversations are in August yes. uh, and listing your property? How big is that shift? What, how, well, what's changed?
3: Uh, you're saying from a percentage or just a general sentiment? No, just or, from the, what the vendors yep.
2: are thinking. Like their attitudes has just got a, a yeah. done a huge oh, backflip.
3: Correct. Yeah, yeah. So we are in absolute downward spiral. Look, the media in some ways, um, whilst they can be sensationalist in the way that they go about their reporting, what we can pick up is the trend line is typically correct, right? So the market is going down. So it might not be as dramatic or as as swift or whatever they might be saying um, in the media, but generally we can pick up on the trend line is, so when we're sitting with a vendor, most of them now are reading the press and everything and say and they're going also and attending local auctions and attending other open homes in their market and they're seeing now that a lot of things are lagging. They're not selling under the hammer or they're sitting on the market for much longer. They're also seeing a lot of price reductions. So most of our conversations with our vendors are fairly clear. I mean, we work in a fairly commercial type of market where most people are astute. And I think this is probably more Australia broadly, that everybody it's a bit obsessive how people treat property in, in each market around the country. So Most of our clients now are very much aware that things have changed. What they're not acutely aware of, well, how much has it changed for my specific property? And that probably gets to your point about the different segmentation. And each micro market in each area is going to have its different kind of outlining, you know, what's doing well, what's actually struggling. And that's where I guess people get a little bit lost from a vendor's perspective. So I think overall, the general sentiment is we understand things are falling, but we're not sure how much that's impacted my specific house.
0: Now, this is quite interesting because you talk about falling, and yet, and I've been tracking some sales of properties that sold last year in your neck of the woods, and in fact, some of them by your agency, right? Yes. And so uh, at least two of the ones in my list have sold twice in the last, well, roughly 12-month period, maybe give or take a few months, but certainly sold in 2021 uh, and on sold this year. Every single property that I've tracked that I've found, it's not that I'm only tracking the ones that have uh, made gains. Some of those gains haven't kept up with actually market movement. So the market has actually moved faster than those properties have gained. But every single one has had a gain. Um, which sort of goes to that C grade, B grade, A grade thing. There's A grades would have had more of a gain than the C's and so on. But you're saying prices are falling. However, those properties haven't fallen in price. Yes. So, so How are you measuring that prices are falling?
3: Yeah, well, I guess what you're looking at is probably some anomalies in the market. And we're always seeing that at the moment, too. Like there are, again, certain segments which are still performing quite well. um, And that can come down to sometimes, you know, in some cases, luck of the draw, if the right buyers in the market at the right time or the right set of competition. I know the ones that you're mentioning that we've sold. Um, and, you know, the expectations of the vendors were that it wasn't going to get a gain. Um, therefore, the guides that we brought those properties to market were below what they paid for last year. Now, from a, um, that's very palatable <laughs> from a buyer's perspective, right? So, 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 And I guess that's playing the field to a degree. Like every buyer that we talk to right now, the opening dialogue is maybe I should wait. Things are going to fall further. So yep. if you're bringing one of those properties which traded 12 months ago to market, at a price guide that's higher than what they, the vendor paid a year ago, you're going to have a very tough time bringing a buyer even into the property. They'll just think, oh, they're crazy. You know? so, so I think the ones that we're looking at, and 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 maybe it's a bit more acutely aware for that seller bringing their home onto the market, that they kind of say, say to themselves, well, we understand things have shifted. We need to be a lot more aggressive on our guide price in order to reflect what the buyer pool are probably going to say when we come to market. And, and eliminate all those questions which come up like, why is the vendor selling in 12 months' time? What happened? Do they not like the house? And so then there's all these other things which unravel with that, as you know, Veronica, that you need to address that. And the best and the easiest, clearest way to address that is coming onto the market with a price that people go, okay, I can assess that. They bought it for 3.8 and now the guide's 3.6. Okay, well, that makes sense. I, I, I assume they've taken that off and let's at least go down and have a look at it. So And then it sells for
0: um, 4.255.
3: Yes. <laughs> yes. But again, the, 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 look, you're dealing with two buyers at that time and, and some sellers are. They're fortunate, as you would know, they had two people in the market at the right time at the right pro- time who just missed out on other properties and had been looking in the market through the course of last year. So, you know, they would still had a little bit of that hangover of like, we just want a house. And if we have to pay for it, we will. And so that's the,
0: fundamentally what will lead people to still transact in this market, correct. isn't it? That they have a yeah. need and they will just go for it and Absolutely. because they find the right property. But it is interesting because this wasn't where I was going to take this conversation. I mean, Chris and I often have different different goals in these conversations. <laughs> because we're both curious, but we are curious for different things. But this is an interesting topic around what you quote. Right. Yes. And I get that this is tricky because there's legisla- legislation around this. And if you've given the vendor um, an expectation and put that on the agency agreement, which you've obviously got to substantiate with market market knowledge and also recent sales, et cetera, et cetera. And the vendor's got to agree to that, blah, blah, blah. But it's also strategic. You also recognize that even if you think they're going to get what they paid, you have to quote less than that in order to get what they paid, you know, and the, uh, the, Legislation allows for ten percent margin on that, so then buyers are then trained to expect agents to underquote. Do you know what I mean? And then buyers, yeah. are, it, it's a it's a big sticky, well, it's a, it's messy mire. Yeah. It is a game. Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, look, I think the reality is buyers aren't aren't, aren't particularly trustworthy either. You know, so no. I guess it's you know they 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 will never tell the the vendor and or agent what they're prepared to do, what they're prepared to pay. Um, how far they'll go, how much they love it, and all those things. So I guess it's all just a bit of matchmaking to do it, try and do it. And actually, this will probably lead into the point that you'll you'll go because you know we we argue about auction clearance rates and what's mm. the right rate and everything like that. And you'll say, well, look, I just look for the trend, you know. So you'll say if domain are reporting the trend is fifty five percent, but even though we know it's going to get revised down to something else in a week's time, at least I know the trend line is that's, that's accurate and that's what I bank off. So yeah. I guess if everybody is bringing the home onto the market with the similar kind of strategy, well, then the buyer has some sense of reliability. Well, if that's the way it's done, well, then that's the way we hop, operate. So um, And within that, of course, you've always got that 10, 10% variance on either way. You've got agents that are probably hopeless, that are too high, and then you've got agents that are probably a little bit aggressive and they're probably coming in a bit low. But generally speaking, within that kind of 80% span is, what most properties kind of come on and the expectations for the buyer are normally, you know, pretty much in line with what's what it's going to sell for.
2: So with the um, the vendors at the moment, so you have this conversation, like you've got the the vendors who have to sell, maybe it's a divorce yes. or a death or, or something like that. So to yeah. me, that's just always part of the market, right? But it's not something that really changes a lot, mm. um, you know, unless there's the global pandemic or something maybe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the reality is, is there's also vendors that come to the market because they want to upgrade. Now, they don't yes. have to do it now. They may want to do it years in advance. Maybe it's kids' schooling or, you know, or maybe that's urgent. They're in an apartment and they can't really last another year with two kids, for example. Um, yes. So, and then you've got maybe the downsides are sort of the opposite. You know, they may need to downsize at some point, but they don't have to do it now, but they know they're going to get older, right, and they yeah. they can't maintain the house. So that sort of marginal upgrade, the one who, you know, could do it now or could do it later, how are, are they just really wanting to sit on their hands because, you know, yes. th- they are basically saying, look, I don't know where interest rates are going to be. Look, mm-hmm. I, um maybe I should, and, and the thing is, it's hard just to say, oh, I'm going to stay and renovate at the moment because building crosses are, are through the roof, Correct. right? So yep. they haven't got a solution. It's either like, I can't really build because that's not an option. Um, yeah. I, I don't really know where rates are going to be, so I don't want to upgrade right now. So is that what you're sort of seeing that you're really finding it hard to flip their mindset? Because they're the actual ones who should be in the market right now. Yes. Because the gap to upgrade is actually smaller. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, correct, yeah. And so, so is that what you're really finding is, it, is a bit frustrating for the, the couple there that's got a bit of equity, they've got great incomes, they really need to upgrade the next five years, but they want that clarity around interest rates. And so they're just sort of sitting on their hands.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, without question, yeah. So there's that uncertainty. No one wants to make big decisions, life decisions, with such a, a, a huge array of volatility and uncertainty in the market. And it's not just rates. There's, you know, talks of recession and all of these things weigh heavily on people's decisions, particularly if they're aspirational and moving up. Um, there's uncertainty around, you know, different peoples. And you'd probably see it in the mortgage game about um, how banks are viewing you know varying um, uh, salaries for different industries and things of yeah. that nature. So Uh, Yeah, look, you're you're right. And you're seeing that also, again, talking about data lag, the data ebbs and flows with the number of listings coming onto the market. But I can tell you, speaking with Domain during the week, they're saying that all their metrics are showing that this could be one of the weakest spring markets that we've seen on record for quite some time. And I know within the core market that I'm working with, and Veronica would know very well in Balmain, you know, we've only got 22 houses on the market at the present time, which is quite low. and you can see there that that's probably um, the, the the spiral of everybody just sitting on their hands. So we're seeing a lot of people out there looking. They want to feel aspirational and want to move forward. But with all of that uncertainty hanging over their heads, they're just not willing to make that jump or that leap of faith. But you know it's not just upgrading into that next house, it's then well, what happens with my existing home? Mm. I need to sell that. What price am I going to get for it? How long is it going to sit on the market? And there could be variances at the moment between, you know, they might be thinking they're getting two million dollars, but it could very well be 1.7. And that punches a huge hole in your gap of of your of your borrowing capacity when you might be upgrading to a three million dollar house. So um,
2: I think that's so true, Matt. We haven't fortunately we haven't had any clients caught out in this. I personally was very close to getting caught out. Um because the massive drop in borrowing capacity over the last three, four months, um, we're talking 20% plus for a lot of borrowers. Yes. Um, And if you went and bought on a long settlement um, and tried to to sell on a short settlement and you did it on, you know, what was realistic borrowing capacity figures, you know, in say May, uh, March, sort of April, May, and then bought on a six-month settlement or tried to do a bridging or, you know, et cetera, um you know people could really get sort of caught out and even if they used a bad day sale price earlier in the year very quickly wasn't a bad day you know that was actually it turned to a good day um yes and so it was you know the people trying to buy before they sell which was a very good strategy really over the last few years right um yes but in this market i think a lot of them have been scared because they've just seen such a big decrease in their borrowing capacity a big decrease in what they potentially could sell for yes that they just want to sell first and if you have to sell first then you. You just want to sit on your hands because you're like, well, I can't find any other good properties on the market. Yeah. Um, and I actually don't really want to sell in this market because you know I'm not going to get a great price. So it, it's really sort of hamstrung the market. I guess that's that alliance to what Domain's saying there is that no one's really wanting to sell is because um, they're so fearful that they can't upgrade because they can't find a property and they can't borrow the money.
3: Yeah. It, it, all of that's contributing. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: But is that yeah. what they mean by weak? I I just, that's what I wanted to ask. When, if domain is saying it's going to be the weakest spring, do you mean weak in terms listings. of listings? Okay. Listing. So
3: listing volumes, yeah. So which, there's two markets that, which are down 30 to 40, even up to 50% in a typical spring market. Yeah.
2: And we did on it uh, with Kent last week, a, a best streets report. And Veronica mm. like, anecdotally, you know, in hot markets, you know, a higher portion of good stuff sells, you know, um, yes. you know and in down markets, that Good stuff, you know, evaporates, and more poor stuff sits mm-hmm. on the market. And yes. you know, you said yeah, there's twenty odd properties in Balmain, and this would apply across, you know, a lot of our capital cities. But what, what do you have any idea of what number of those properties have been on the market more than a couple of months? Like,
3: is there- it only, I, only only a small percentage, thankfully? Yeah. So. so again, like this is possibly, and this is where it gets so tricky as a consumer is at the moment. So, and we're seeing the property market almost at the present time like the share market; it's ebbing and flowing on a week by week basis, and mm. that could largely you know, God bless the Queen when she passed away, but that absorbed so much media attention, everything like that. It almost gave us a little bit of reprieve for three weeks where it wasn't property headline, a property headline. And I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, I think we, we spoke about sentiment is such a major driver of people's decisions. And when you kind of drop off the front page of the paper, then all of a sudden people were like, oh, they get lulled into this. Well, we still got to buy. We still got to do this and everything like that. And, and I don't know, a little bit of confidence started to return for us. But, you know, you might get another 50-point increase in the October uh, reserve meeting and then then it's back to, oh, you yeah, know, we're back to seeing 20% price drop. So
0: One thing that, that I've experienced and been quite surprised of around this downturn is that open houses are not like yep. ghost towns. You know, right. every other downturn I've been through, honestly, you could shoot a barrel, you shoot a cannon through yeah. these houses, you wouldn't hit anybody. Whereas there is, I think there's a latent interest. They might be sitting on their hands, but there's certainly interest in the property market at the moment. And what are you seeing at at, at open houses? Are you experiencing the same thing that I'm observing?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So that's one of the key things that we're saying to our clients that are on the market at the moment. We're saying to them, the good news is that you're seeing people through your door. Mm. So that means we've got a chance to sell. And if we're not getting engagement, well, then we've got an issue with price. It's It's not the fact that we're not drawing in an audience. There's no inquiry. There's no foot traffic at your open. We're clearly just not aligned on price. So there's an adjustment there. And again, what we're seeing with most of those properties, if that price is adjusted, we're then securing a sale within the next couple of weeks of that that of that of property seeing the price drop. So I think that's the key thing in this market. You're right. There is definitely interest. Now, I'm not sure if that's a, a hangover of seeing one of the, 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 the largest um, price increases that we saw ever um, or what it might be, but there's definitely people out there that are now thinking, well, if I can pick up that house that was selling last year for three and it's now 2.6, I should be paying attention to that.
0: But as or, we've just talked about, so far the houses that are sold last year and then unsold this year haven't sold for 2.6 if sold for 3 last year. So, so that is a, a, you know, once again, perception is not necessarily reality. What 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 I'm interested in as well, and obviously you're having these conversations with vendors, and obviously you're observing that they're reticent to put their property on the market if they're not under pressure to sell, or life hasn't gotten away, or they haven't bought something else. Then you know why would they? You'd wait, right? And it's sort of interesting because in a in a seller's market, sellers don't typically wait; they go great gang, you know, go to market, yeehaw, I'm going to get my price. Whereas in a buyer's market, everybody seems to wait. So it's like seller's market, every everybody's in in the fray. Buyers market, everyone's sitting on their hands. And so what are the – but but we've still got Sydney-wide, we've got clearance rates, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, sitting – and I'm, I'm talking about domains because that's one I've tracked yeah. for years. And I do look at trends and I look at trends of withdrawn listings and clearance rate, and also I sort of track the actual total amount of listings. That's even quite an interesting chart just looking at the listings volumes in over Sydney because you see the seasonality um, play out and there's a volatility that happens around that sort of Easter to May period. But um, currently, and for the last, say, about six weeks, there's been very, very slight trending of clearance rates up and a very, very slight trending of withdrawn properties down. And so that's really interesting at this cusp. We're recording this uh, sort of at the end of September. We'll go live in October sometime. That's quite interesting data to look at in this current time in the market because what normally happens at this exact point in the market is usually the, the peak. If, if a market's going to grow at all during year, usually it peaks at the end of September in Sydney and then it falls off as lots of stock comes on in Sydney and saturates the marketplace. But if we're talking about um, really, really tight listings activity so the only stuff that's swelling out total number of listings on the market in Sydney it is basically the C-grade stuff that's struggling to sell and, and blowing out in terms of days on market, then it's going to be interesting to look at that, that curve and what happens in terms of clearance rates and the withdrawal because the 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 number or the percentage of properties that are withdrawn from auction, that to me reflects agent and vendor confidence. Yes.
1: You know,
0: if you're confident, you're not going to withdraw the listing, are you? But when it gets pushes up towards 20% of all listings are withdrawn, then that's showing that there's not a lot of confidence. There's, you know, that sort of gives a sign um, as to what's happening behind the scenes. Because, of course, agents don't let buyers know really how many people are interested in the property before auction. But that's a bit of a dead giveaway.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so back to where there's a bit long winded entree into what my question is here what type so if 60 percent or, or thereabouts clears at auction right on any given Saturday, what do the 60 percent have that the remaining 40 doesn't have? what is it that makes a property under these market conditions sell at or before auction that is lacking in in uh, all the others?
3: Well, I would have to say it just comes simply down to price. You know, I think this is a value-driven market at the present time, and and I, and, and and we know, like our experience is at the present time. Even if we get the uh, the the guide price off by five percent, might only be five percent, and that can be the very much the differential between the right people coming through the door or the wrong people coming through the door. And again, even though it is a cooler market, we're still finding in the first week or two. Are we on track or are we off track? And that's mm. still happening quite quickly. The same as it was what was happening in a hot market. But the differential now is if you're off, then you could be well off. And, that, and that's the thing. Whereas you could kind of mask it in a hot market. If you're off, you're like, oh, it didn't matter because it was going up anyway. So your conversation with the, with the seller didn't matter. It was like, oh, we told you to, too. Don't worry, you're going to be getting 2.4. So it you know, didn't matter. <laughs> but now it's like, oh, we told you to, too, but you could be getting 1.9 so so the differential is that it's taking a longer period of time for the vendor to reason with the feedback that they're hearing from the market because they may have been told by an agent or us you know six months ago oh look we think we can get 2.2 they hang on to that number and then when we're coming to market it actually turns out it might be 1.9 so it's just i think the differential is it's just taking some vendors a longer time to kind of digest and dissect all the information that's being provided to them and some of them we know and you would know as well some people are just—they just don't want to listen to reason or feedback, and they're just like, "I've got a number in mind, and I want that number." And a classic old line that we say, and, I, and we get told it all the time, and I'm so—I'm not giving it away. I'm just definitely not going to give it away. I'm oh, not just fire rent it out. this. Yeah, I will just rent it out. I'm not <laughs> fire selling my house. It's like, yeah. well, hang on, I'll give you two million reasons why it's not a fire sale. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's—it's it's just that the market, and 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 unfortunately for some sellers. The the reality is, and I know it sounds a cliche, but it's an old quote. But the market is absolutely worth what somebody's prepared to pay for it. Now, if you've done all of the controllables correctly, i.e., you've got the right marketing campaign, you've had a broad audience come through, the house is presented perfectly, if if you've aligned all of those things and the market feedback isn't there, well, the market feedback's not there. It's not yeah. a problem with with your expectations. It's, it's 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 you know you've got to adjust. It's that's that's the issue. I think what we're
2: saying is that those clients with those properties where they you know are frustrated with the sale price of what it would sell for today and you know we've all got this loss aversion we're all doing this mental accounting where we could have sold it for x last year yes. um well, what I'm trying to do is open their eyes up to what the opportunity is right like yes. this isn't trying to sell loans at all this is trying to sell them to make something you know taking action on their what they need to do anyway uh, and getting into a better quality asset um, because yeah, you take a haircut on this property, but what you're doing is buying in under much better buying conditions. You know, you're not got you know offers getting made the same day as opens. You know, you're not going mm-hmm. having to go to auction at every good property and and then yeah. just throwing down the biggest number. Right? You can actually try to play this game a little bit smarter and and potentially you know if you are patient, get a quality asset at a fair price. You know, do you, you know whereas you know in the last few years that's been really difficult to get anything good. So I mean, is that something you're trying to have that? you know, lingo with some of your sellers is that, you know, yes, you can sell this property for less than you got last year, but at least you're in the market and you can potentially compete on, you know, doing an upgrade. Is it is that going down like a lead balloon or are you finding that, you know, some people are switching on? Because, you know, once people understand it, you know, that they can make this move and if they wait till, you know, next year and then all of a sudden yep. they've got competition and there's low listings and then they start yep. chasing themselves. So is that what you're trying to do Absolutely as well?
3: mate. Yeah, but what you, what you're saying there Chris is common sense, right? And so <laughs> Um, when you're dealing with property there's emotion right so that's the wild card in all of this and and as you rightly say like there's amount of people that sit there and go hang on I need to get this certain figure because then then I can go and get a car and then I can have a holiday and then I can send my kids to school and there's all of these kind of metrics which sit behind the scene as you're rightly saying they're going through their mental accounting Um, and common sense uh, isn't so common in our game sadly Mm. you know so we do we deal with and this is where the data is often wrong that it it just, it, it relies on the facts and figures, but it misses that vital component, which is sentiment and the wild card of emotion. And that's why, you know, property is such a tricky thing in terms of valuing and the consumer experience and how agents mm. operate, and how vendors operate um, and everything. But to get back to your point, absolutely, we're sitting with our clients now and we're walking through the process. Why would you not be upgrading now to your point? You've got less competition on the market. You can get better terms. You can probably get a longer settlement. Yep. You, 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 you're definitely talking a better number that, you know, like, and we'll demonstrate to them last year, a like for like asset might have been 20, 25% more than this. Why would you not be engaging this? You were, you were happy to go last year. The only thing that's been like changed at the moment is your interest rate's gone from 2% to 5.5%. You know, like, yes, we understand that's a difference, but it's been factored into the buy price. The other thing that we're often doing as well mm-hmm. at the moment is we're talking to a lot of our clients who are saying, oh, I'll just hold it for two years. I'll come back when the market's better. Like, well, then we'll demonstrate. say, so we'll look, if the market drops another 10%, which is probably uh, a conservative view of what's unfolding at the moment. But if it does drop back that 10%, to get back to parity of where we are today, you're going to need that market to be rising by 15% or more to get you this number that you have in your mind to then make the transaction. But by that stage, the house that you were looking to get's also gone up. Yeah. Simply so. So it's, it's it's difficult, but it, this is why things are taking longer to sell. So a lot of our campaigns, uh, to, going back to Veronica, uh, we're, we're, instead of doing our typical four-week auction campaign, sometimes we're now doing five weeks, particularly if we've got a vendor that their expectations, we know they might be bullish. We might say to them, look, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to need a little bit more time here. We're going to have to go off market for a week. We're going to have to come to the market with a five-week campaign. So that way we can, we can download as much information and in Intel for this client so that they can kind of understand and absorb it all to then make that next decision to move forward with confidence.
1: The elephant intheroom.com dot au
2: if so many vendors at, at regretting not taking offers I mean yep. you know one of yep. the things we're we're <laughs> just sort of talking to clients and I'm saying look you know they all I thought of want to see what's happening et cetera. and I was like well no that's the hard thing right now is actually getting a quality asset right like you need to get your focus around that and and being patient because if it's not a quality asset and the market continues to go um poorly then you're going to get smashed right and so you've yes. got to buy quality but you know the, the real advantage right now is speed right is to make a solid offer that's around what the the vendor wants um, because it's gutsy to say no, you know, and you sort of, when you get that good solid offer on the table, it's pretty close to the right terms to what the vendor wants. A vendor is really hesitant to say no to that because they don't want to be that, you know, four weeks later saying, Oh, I wish I took that offer at 2.1. I can only get two mil now, you know, he's, he's is that sort Absolutely. of what's
3: happening? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's plenty of case studies around all of that. And most agents in every market around the country would certainly be aware of those case studies and, and pointing them out to those clients that held out. Oh, just hold out for the next offer. And quite often, to your point, like even though it is a cooler market, some of these best offers remain to be coming through in the first week or two. Yeah. And you have to be really setting up your vendor to be saying, hey, look, this could, don't worry about all the news and headlines, the market cooling. The right buyers are out there and they'll come and engage in your property straight away. But as quickly as they're there, as quickly as they'll be gone. So you've got to engage with them very, very swiftly.
0: One of the issues, though, with sort of encouraging people to upgrade, particularly if if the conversation is around selling first, because it's a fairly logical way to approach the dilemma of do you sell first or buy first, is to look at what's hardest and do that first. So in a market where it's really difficult to find what you want, you're more likely going to buy first as long as you can fund it. Uh, And in a market where it's going to be difficult to sell, you're more likely to sell first um, and then go out there and buy, right? The problem is, of course, in this sort of conditions, we're saying that it's really difficult to find good quality property because listings are shrinking and it's also difficult to sell. So so you sort of could understand, I'm now being devil's advocate, uh, uh, logically I, I totally agree with you, the, trans, the transfer pricing or transaction pricing cost is lower to upgrade in this sort of market conditions as long as you can find the property you want to buy than it is in a in a booming market but in a booming market you're probably going to have options but then you're going to have a hell of a lot of competition and probably have to pay massive overs when you get to the point Mm. of finding the one that you want particularly if you've sold so so there's all these sort of pressures within that that timing and working out how you how you know how you move through that. And that is that is obviously going to be a challenge in those conversations. I imagine a lot of vendors go, but I can't find what I want, particularly yes. on the Balmain Peninsula, Peninsulas. I know it very, very well, and people won't won't leave it. I'm yeah. a testimony to say there is life <laughs> off the Balmain Peninsula, but you know
3: Don't spread the word.
0: I'm a rare voice.
2: <laughs> well, what they can't fund it at the moment, Veronica. That's one of the ironies is that yep. it's very hard to buy and hold on to your current mm. assets because borrowing capacities, you know, what you let's say you could have um I don't know, borrowed $3 million last year collectively on your portfolio. Well, that's now only 2.1, you know, or 2.2. Um, and you've already got a million dollars of debt. So to do that upgrade, it's just not possible anymore. And that's another thing that's really yeah. stopping people doing anything is that the only option is to sell first. And then that's too scary. So, yes. you know, what are you going to do? You're just going to sit on your hands. And so, I mean, do you see um, any real sort of change here at, you know, in the downsizer segment at all? Do they, are they just wanting to sit on their hands as well, Matt?
3: Yeah, so the downsizer segment's pretty interesting. They, they, they're they probably our most bullish part of the market at the present mm. time because they're not, they've are not they got other assets. They're, they're just looking mm. for the right property as opposed to, you know, worried about if interest rates go up another half a percentage point. They understand that, you know, but they, again, they've got time, right? So, um, and, and this actually raises the question, you know, when you see those good quality assets, a lot of the downsizers are identifying those because they're used to accustomed to a, a reasonable level of lifestyle. And mm. so when something comes up in certain markets that they go, this is a perfect house, They'll outbid a lot of these people, which are actually under these more restrictive yep. um, borrowing capacity. You know, so that that like we're saying to a lot of our clients now, if we can corner that downsizer market, if you've got that right property that's going to get that broader, like you might you might have young families, professionals, but if you get the downsizers, you're mm-hmm. actually in a much safer position now to get a good outcome. So yeah, they're they're out in force. No no question, the downsizers. They see this market as you know it's right for the pickings in many ways for that for that because again even if they take a little bit of a haircut on their existing asset yeah. sale, they're okay because they're looking longer term. They're going, look, I'm just looking for the house that's going to suit me for the next 10 years, minimal stairs, close to the shops, got a car space, fantastic. I am in. I'll pay a premium for that and I don't mind taking a haircut on mine because that's the house that I want for the next 10 years.
2: Yeah, and they've got no, no yeah. debt on their mortgage, right? So no, what interest, interest rates are, it doesn't really matter. If anything, it's actually yeah. better because it means they get more money on their cash in the bank. And so it's it's not a bad place for the, the, the cash start baby boomers Matt, if you had to say H2 2022, yes. you know, true experience, you start to sort of in your mind think, oh, that was actually similar to what it was in 2018 or what it was. What yes. would you say it's most like? If you, you know, you've been this game a long time. What would you sort of say this period right now is most like?
3: Well, yeah, so 2018 was pretty flat years. You probably, it's probably kicked off when you kicked off this podcast, right? I remember mm, the, yep. the market being quite flat. I think there was the um, app road stepped in and, and lifted the yep. serviceability rate and that actually crueled the market. I actually find that that was, uh, in some ways, I think Veronica alluded to it earlier, you could fire a cannon through open homes. There was nobody looking because the serviceability, it was just too scary. It was just like, hang on, I can't even, yeah. can't even get my finance. Whereas yeah, now pe- people still can get the, get their finance. It might be more restricted. They might be getting, you know, 20% less than they could, you know, even at the beginning of this year. So I, I would say, what the differential, I would say it's close to that market in 2018. It's close. It's got elements of the GFC part of it as well. where there was the volatility and the uncertainty in the market. Okay. But but what's unfolding right now is the rapid speed of these rate increases is is impacting the price declines. Well, I mean the data is also showing this, right? It's the fastest and sharpest price declines that we've ever ever, ever witnessed. And that's the tricky thing that we're having with our conversations in lounge rooms is, you know, we we might be telling a client a price, but by the time we come to market, because they've got four weeks worth of prep work and cosmetic detailing and all that stuff by the time they come to market, we've got to have a whole other conversation that might be 5%, 10% below where we told them only a month earlier. So, um, yeah, I think there's elements of 2018, definitely the volatility of the the GFC and the uncertainty there. But what's unfolding, I guess, this this interest rate environment is quite astonishing. And and the narrative in play that, you know, I think the terminal rate for the the cash rates got lifted again by most institutions just like in the last 24 hours where I think most banks were saying it could be somewhere between 2.8 and 3.1. I think I think CBA was saying two point eight. I think they're all lifted that up now to three point six. So you tell me, translating that into an interest rate, is that mid fives at yeah, least? Yeah. I mean,
2: for our listeners, I mean, a good way to yeah. think about it is just add two percent onto the RBA rate, and that's yeah. what you should be paying on your home loans, right? And yeah. then maybe add another fifty basis points, whether it's interest only or investment, etc. It's probably not even that much anymore. But you know, so it's two or two percent on top of the RBA rate. It's probably a good home loan rate, and up to two point five, you know, for investors. Et- Et cetera. Um, yes. So, yeah, if the RBA gets a 3.5, then that's a 5.5% interest rate on your home loan. But what and also then, is. And interesting, then a
3: serviceability rate on top of well, that. Well, right?
2: that's it. And so then you yeah. go ahead, add 3% on top for um, the RBA, the, the APRA, sort of serviceability buffer. So 5.5 plus 3%, that's 85 yeah. um, That's about a third, 3.5% increase to the serviceability buffer from what they were yeah. offering last year. And every one percent increase in the serviceability buffer is about a ten percent reduction in borrowing capacity. capacity. So Correct. Yep. A thirty, let's say a thirty to thirty-five percent, um, three or three and a half percent increase in the serviceability buffer is about a thirty to thirty-five percent reduction in borrowing capacity. And that's going to think, translate
3: to the property well, costs. Absolutely. Sure. And, and I think
2: yeah. what well, you, APRA, you know, slow the market down, but they're also going to have to step in you know, to say the serviceability buffer can't be 3%. So I reckon that's going to have to happen. Um, But you also said we're seeing wage increases um, even today. And this isn't, so if you've got a 15%, you know, increase in your salary, that's going to offset the reduction in borrowing capacities. Um, And, you know, part of this inflation cycle is part of that is that people are asking for more money, right? And and especially Mm. if you're in a talent shortage with low unemployment, um, and so that's something that's obviously forgotten about. I think for some people, is their buying capacities have gone back up just as much because they've they've swapped jobs. Um, yes, and and they're, so they're still buying at the same price point. So um, yeah, there's obviously lots happening. Yeah, there is. Matt,
0: there's been some despite all this sort of um, talk about how tough it is and and you know all the rest of it to uh, I, you know put on my old real estate agent's hat and go <laughs> you know what been here before. It's not yeah. like oh yeah. come on you know like really, you got a bit, you know, you got a bit lazy in the good days and um, come on, just earn your money. I know a lot of the younger agents out there, it's like their eyes are bigger than their, you know, they're just like in, like rabbits in headlights. They actually do not know how to deal with these market conditions. But this is like the old thing about a normal market, right? Good properties, well-priced properties will find their buyer and, and anything that's overpriced or is not that great is going to, you know, main road properties aren't going to fly out the door in these market conditions. This is sort of just, Normal. And it's roughly balanced. Every property's got to buy if you got the price right. So, you know, ultimately that's just getting the job done. But there's still be some pretty amazing um, individual uh, results. So certain properties that might surprise us. I mean, there was one particular property, I won't name the street, but you probably guess it sold for $8 million. It was highly competitive. It was, it was renovated within an inch of its life. Like uh, basically the finishes are what sold this house, but obviously, you know, that's not going to last forever. And I, I couldn't have thought that it would get to seven. I honestly couldn't, that there was the, actually it's not very big house, you know, and it's in Balmain, and yet I think there was something like eight registered bidders, and then they've sold it at that price, which is ahead of expectations, but, you know, very competitive, and I know there was a wild card thrown in at the end, all that sort of stuff, but that, that sort of outcome and that sort of story, and even the wildcard rocking up, you know without the agent really knowing they were interested and buying it all that stuff that's the story of hot markets
3: yeah you know for sure. so these sorts
0: yeah. of things happen even in a slow market you'll get these outrageous results that are well and truly over and above uh expectations and and I honestly don't think it's a great property I, I really do think they overpaid but um you know we couldn't encourage our clients to go for it for for lots of reasons, yeah. Um, but these things do happen, don't they? I mean, so I guess I guess what I'm trying to sort of get to you is to talk. I guess give us some of those stories. Not that I want to talk it up. I don't. But it's yeah. just that because there is so much negativity out there, it's like there are still people out there that go, "Who cares? I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna fight for what I whatever I want."
3: Oh, look, for sure. Look, look. There's always somebody who wants to buy a Porsche. There's always somebody that wants to buy a Ferrari. You know, there's those things. So that. The, the cream rises to the top in any market, as it does in sporting or anything like that. You know, mm. under pressure. So that's what we're seeing in this market: is the cream is rising to the top. Um, buyers are more discerning, and they feel like they've got time to pick the eyes out of. Well, I'm going to if I'm going to do something in this market, I'm going to wait for the AAA plus stuff. <laughs> and, if they, and if that comes up, they'll go. They'll go all out. Yeah. It. And they'll, they'll, they'll go borrow big, but, you know, do whatever they can if it means selling an investment property or selling some shares yeah. because the the, the AAA-grade you know properties come onto the market, well, they'll do that. Um, and so, yeah, to, to your point, the market's actually not it, – yeah, it, it's moving and it's shifting and it's volatile and all of those kind of things. But, yes, we've got to buy for every property and if you've got something which for your market, wherever it is in the country – that has those triple A attributes. And it doesn't matter if it's a two-bedroom, but it's the right layout with the right aspect in the right street and all those kind of things through to your six-bedroom mansion with a pool and everything like that that the market wants. I mean, every agent and every seller will know if they've got the best of the best when they come into market. You Mm -hmm. will find that there is competition. Um, And people will go, and surprisingly, will probably go harder at it because, well, again, in this softer market, that stuff's becoming rarefied to Mm -hmm. come to market because... The only reason why those people are bringing their home onto the market is because they've seen something that made them attracted yeah. to move. Mm. Um, and so, therefore, you've got fewer of these things right across Sydney. It doesn't matter. i talk talked to agents in the east, the lower North Shore, right across the, you know, the inner Sydney you know, basin, and most agents are saying, if I can get that triple egg stock, it will fly. Mm. But there's so few of them, and that's probably magnifying the reason why we're seeing such good competition for those still. And or probably why you're touched. finding
0: it tougher. Because if you've got a a smaller proportion of that type of property coming onto the market, that means every deal you're doing, you're working harder for. Yes. They're all harder to deal with, those properties.
3: Yeah. And it also comes back to our initial point that we were also talking about, which was why would you be a buyer that would wait? Because, you know, we got a lot of people that miss those properties and then they go, they pack up their suitcase and go home, go, well, we're going to wait for the next one. And you go well. Hang on. Here's something that's marginally off that. Maybe you need to spend two hundred grand to get it better to looking like that. Or maybe it's mm. not quite that street, but it's pretty darn close, right? You might have to compromise one or two things. But why wouldn't you go for that, knowing that the next time that uh, that triple comes up, there's going to be ten people bidding it. You've got you know you've got a ten percent chance of getting it again. You know, <laughs> so it's it's just very difficult for people to kind of digest all of that, and maybe it takes a bit of time.
2: Well, I think that's the irony, isn't it? What are you waiting for? Like, is it is it a certain price? Like in it, it's like when shares we've got this anchoring bias, right? Or mm. we've got this, you know, we hold on to our lose, you know, losing shares just because we don't want to lose money, or um, etc. And so everyone doesn't really know, they haven't really thought that many steps ahead. Like, so yeah, I'm gonna wait, but what when are you actually gonna buy? Like, are you just gonna wait forever? Are you yeah. gonna wait till prices fall 20%? Are you gonna wait till there's less properties on the market? Are you gonna wait till you go to open homes and they're busier? Like, what are you waiting for? What's the trigger point? And I think a lot of people haven't thought that through. Really what you should be waiting for is the right property, right? Mm-hmm. And and having yeah. a crack at it. And yeah. um, and, and obviously making sure you can afford if interest rates go up and make sure you don't do anything silly and buying before you're selling and you know, settlement risk and all this sort of stuff. But obviously, you know, you're not just waiting for, you know, everyone else, to herd. You know, (laughs) and then once the herd starts running and then all of a sudden you start chasing your tail and, um, you know, then all of a sudden you've just missed the window and then you start chasing yourself. Like we had lots of clients who missed the window in 2016, 2017, they just ended up having to rent, um, or they sold and then they, they sat out of the market for years and then you end up just chasing and then you have to move regionally, et cetera. So you just got to also sometimes not, people don't understand the risk they're taking by waiting sometimes. Um, oh, big and, time yeah it's yeah and what it what it creates i mean oh, i wouldn't mind talking about just the real estate industry yeah um, good days <laughs> uh 2020 2021 yeah um you know obviously it was a bit scary 2020 but i mean you know price increases more supply coming on easier to sell i mean what do you think is going to happen over the next couple of years you know do you see do you see a massive um consolidation you know you look at some of the biggest real estate agencies their share prices they're pretty dismal um, yes and you see a reduction in number of agents, you know, yeah. is it, are you working harder now than ever? Like, is, is this what really where the shine, you know, you really got to, the, the good agents will just keep on getting better market share. Is that what you think is going to happen over the next few years?
3: It feels, it feels that way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you can't do it all on your own now. And, and the level of service and expectations upon agents is growing exponentially year on year. Um, and that's good. That's good for the industry and people's expectations about how we deliver service and things like that. I mean, we've become, I guess, over the last decade, Full service in terms of when somebody comes to us and says, "I'm bringing my home to market," we're saying, "Great, okay. Well, we'll we'll manage your storage, we'll manage your styling, we'll manage your painting, we'll do your kitchen up, we'll do you know." So we become you know mini renovators in some respects, um, and all of that goes on behind the scenes. So at any one point, we might have you know fifteen to twenty houses that are under construction coming to market, and that can vary from you know five thousand dollars to hundred thousand dollars in prep work to bring it to market if we think that's going to deliver the right return for the client. Um, so yeah, I can see that. I know within my team, my personal team, w- we can't do all of this stuff. You know, we can't follow up, and the volume of inquiry that you're getting now is exponential as well. So mm. you can't get back to everybody, you can't service the number of buyers, we can't keep a hold of all of this data unless mm. you've got a whole team running behind you. And te- technology will only take you so far, too, right? So all of the tech plays out there. You've seen a lot of it in the prop tech space. You probably had a lot of them on your on your um, podcast they promise a lot they deliver and execute poorly in reality so it's very difficult to find anything that's giving us the real cut through of like oh this does all the ai and all that i mean there's a lot of promises out there but really i can tell you it's still hard work on the phones doing all of these things face-to-face meetings it's probably doing all the same stuff that you know veronica and i were doing 20 plus years ago times 10 Right. The
0: the, the prop tech plays crack me up because I listen to, you know, I listen to the prop tech podcast in spurts because I get annoyed sometimes by the perception of what the problem is that they're trying to solve you know it's like yeah. oh my god it's so bloody textbook and it's like they're trying to solve a like a an honesty problem or, or a trust problem or a or a transparency problem it's like that's actually not the problem you know yeah and it's because it's not only agents that are lying it's everyone lies as we talked earlier yeah. so it's yeah. like it's bullshit to come with some sort of solution that fixes one of the three aspects to the <laughs> to the problem, you know? um, but it it also makes me laugh too, because at the end of the day, you know it, yeah it's a very labor intensive business. you know, people don't like to have a bot giving them the answer to their questions or that you no. know they, they really don't enjoy that and it's so and they also only want to talk to you as an agent when they want something from you. They don't want to talk to you when you want something from them. so it's it's a very um unbalanced industry when it comes to uh to the human relations of it all. so, that's why I laugh at yeah. those PropTech te- prop com- uh, comments because it's like all these smart, clever people and their technology, and it's like they fail to understand that really the human behaviour at the core of what's driving Correct. everything in yeah. the property well, market.
3: And, and also people's timelines, you know, like it yeah. says, oh, look, we'll, we'll set you up and we'll put you in the system that we contact you once on the first of the month, every month, blah, blah, blah. but, you know, they get divorced. And that, that yeah. and, and, and that and happens in week
0: three. Yeah, that happens <laughs> on week three.
3: You know, or something yeah. happens or their finance got uh, isn't approved. Oh, well, that six-month plan that we had for them is now a, a three-week plan. So mm-hmm. it, yeah. it, it's it's very difficult. And what I've discovered, you know, the, the, the deeper you go into this industry, and it's great that, you know, our CRM and stuff like that can run a lot of this stuff, but really people want to talk to people that have make common sense, yeah. and give them good advice at mm-hmm. the time that they need it, and it's just there's no bullshit in between it. You know, it's just straightforward yeah. talk yeah
2: yeah absolutely i mean you can see it if you look at some uh, open door in the us you know it was a 30 us uh dollar share price it's three dollars now um yep. so that was one where you know we'll buy your home for any price uh we'll renovate it and we'll sell it and we'll flip it right um yeah. you know in a hot market yeah absolutely you know they can make some money and holding it for six months in this market you yeah. know a do they want to take the risk you know so the share price crashes i mean a lot of the the prop tech stuff is is suitable in some markets doesn't work in a down market we had a lot of. Um, mm. did a bit of consultancy around lots of mortgage tech stuff, you know, and oh, low deposit home loans, for first time possible, A, the banks don't need that business in this market and B yeah. by the time they've got their products ready, you know, <laughs> no bank wants to go near it because it's, you know, markets falling and a low deposit home loans, the highest risky thing. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's, I think all the prop tech stuff, it forgets that, you know, it's humans at the end of the day that people really trust in both markets, you know, they want good Correct. advice and trusted advice. Um, yeah. And so the real professionals really sort of shine. So thanks so yeah. much for coming on, Matt. I do think it's a it's a conversation that people need to have right now. Um, you know, if you're a seller or if you're a buyer is just forget about the media, headlines, et cetera, and start getting back to your situation and what's the right next move for you uh, yes. and start taking action really, you know, like, you know, we're all getting ready to take action, you know, at least making decisions on your timeline and what your next decisions are going to be. And yeah, be careful no, who you get no advice question. from. Yeah,
0: You know, because there's just so many re- fairly recent entrants into this market who, and I hear some of the stuff, like, how can you possibly predict what's going to happen? Like I was talking to someone who said, oh, my agent told me next year this is going to happen. I'm like, nobody knows. Like we we do our, our annual report full or forecaster because basically everybody who's a forecaster is a fool. You know, right. it, it's it's like don't listen to someone who tells you they know what's going to happen. They can talk about patterns. They can talk about, you know, experience what's happening on the ground now, what might transpire, what normally transpires in a market. They can talk about all that, but no one can predict. So I think if you're talking to anybody who is actually telling you, oh, this is what's going to happen next year, then you better get rid of them and go and talk to somebody who's a bit more pragmatic.
2: Oh, and yeah. I would say get on the ground. What you were saying, Matt, about, you know, mm. if you get to an auction in your area for a property that's similar to yours, and go see how busy it is, you know, and go to the open home and see how much competition was there. And, you know, rather than watch the read the newspaper, that 15 oh, minutes would have been yeah. much better just going to an auction up the road. And maybe you just walk home with a big smile on your face and go, oh, God, maybe things aren't as bad as I thought. Or maybe things are, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. at least, you know, at least, you know, what's happening in your market, not what's happening um,
3: in Adelaide. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that, and that's our advice to all of our clients, which is, that, you know, get out and about, go and have a look, talk to some of the agents, you know, prepare yourself and to control the controllables, which is making mm. sure if you are coming to market, look after your own home, look after all the mm. things, have a look at the trends of what people are looking for in your market and try to deliver your home that appeals to the broadest group of people possible. And then that's why you're setting yourself up and ensuring that, you know, when you do come to market, the, the best outcome is there on the table for you to, to, to get it.
2: One final thing, Mark, I know you got to go, yeah. but um, just getting the properties, Mark you said you've got 15, 20 properties or whatever yeah. um, that you're preparing. That yeah. was a lag for, you know, getting those trades, you know, getting mm. the painting yep. done, all you know, 2020, 2021, 20, 20, 2022, you find it a bit easier to, to get them all booked in and get the materials through or is it still the same? Old. Yeah,
3: the, the, no, no, the, tr- the trades are actually pretty good. We've not, like There yeah. was definitely a blockage, I, I would say, maybe four months ago where it was like, just don't call me. And it was pr- probably after the heavy rain we certainly had here on the East Coast where it was just like, get a roof. I mean, all of our houses, we work in an older area where damp is a major issue, roof leaks. I mean, we had br- brand new houses which had sprung leaks, you know, so yeah, such was the rain that we had here on the East Coast. But now I've noticed probably in the last two months they're getting trades, they're actually starting to go, oh, hang on, we might need some work coming up. So, you know, and and some of them I've heard have been, like they've taken advantage of the bullish narrative in the media, which is, oh, costs are going up, and they're probably adding another bit of GST on top of the actual real cost. So some they're pricing themselves out of the market all of a sudden. Interesting how
0: volatile that can be. (laughs)
3: Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Matthew. Great to see you both. Thank you so much. And uh, good luck for the rest of the spring.
2: wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember,
1: don't be
0: a dumbo.